just marvelous. Wish death upon me. Blood in my eye, dog, and I can't see. I'm trying to be what I'm destined to be. And niggas trying to take me. Acknowledge me. You're listening to the Wrestling Takeover. What is your name? With your host, Jordan Turner, who's always gonna keep it real. Come on, King! Inside and outside the ring. Let me make myself clear. He's got the band behind him, King. It's time to take over, King. Are you ready? He's all fired up now, King. Takeover. Let's go. What's the word, everybody? Welcome back. Yes, I'm here on the Wrestling Takeover. I'm back for a brand new episode. Uh, thank you guys once again for joining me. I'm your host, Jordan Turner. And we are going to once again do a reaction to a interview. Um, I know there's people that actually like when I do these. And I actually like doing them myself. Um, hearing what these people have to say during the interview. Kind of give my um, honest opinions about what they're talking about. And today, I know this is going to be up late. Um, on the pod, on all platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, etc. Um, I am going to be reacting to After the Bell with Corey Graves um, and Kevin Patrick as they interview John Cena. So I will be giving my opinions here. And I like doing these, um, like I said, because it's kind of light and it's something different. You know, I love to do things differently than other people in the community so um again i'm going to start doing more of these um when i see these type of interviews so let's get right into this interview um with john cena and Corey graves and let's hear their thoughts on what uh is going on in the life of john cena i know he lost to solo sokoa um everyone's talking about him retiring I don't see him retiring just yet, but I think the end is coming soon. And in my opinion, I'm going to miss John Cena when he's gone. Um, he's a pillar. He's one of the goats in this game. And we all have to just really cherish John Cena for the time that we have him. Because when he eventually puts away... Um, the sneakers, it's going to be real emotional for all of us involved. Even, you know, the John Cena haters, etc. Um, even those people are actually coming around and respecting what this grown man has done for the business. And um, let's hear what you have to say, man, regarding this interview on After the Bell with Corey Graves. So uh, here we are. Was there any sort of resistance that you were met with, or is that was it a pretty clean process from your end, knowing? No, I just think from? in the beginning of the strike, and it's uh, you know it has been going on a long time. I, I do hope we could find a resolve soon that everybody's happy with. But uh, in the beginning of the strike, I think everyone was trepidatious on what can you do and what can't you do. And I know um, for people that do not know the writer strike, the guilt strike, um, from what I've seen. Um, it looks like everyone's going back to work, which is excellent. We can get these TV shows and movies, you know, going back up again. Um, but this is John Cena commenting on the Writers Guild strike and the actor strike that has been going on for quite some time now. On the, the path of the strike. 
there have also been some situations on, well, we, we shouldn't do this and we should do this. And uh, I'm, I'm very grateful to have a home in WWE and very grateful for the, the Screen Actors Guild to allow me to be a part of it. And we're grateful, right, to have John Cena back here weekly on WWE television. John, you were part of WrestleMania back in April, but this is an extended period of time now where you're every single Friday, John Cena's been on television screens on Fox. What have you learned? What's been different about this return for you on a weekly basis? Uh, you know, I've, I've always said that um, I got to get better quality merchandise. We got better lighting. Come on now. <laughs> oh, no, that's the, the lighting. That's the what you're talking about. Quality. The lighting so, is. That's okay. That's that's fine. We were given an eighty percent circumstance that a light might fall. <laughs> that that's true. So moments that, ago, moments before we hit record. No, watch this. I'm, I can't get up because I think no. I'm, I have enough cord. I don't I believe you're cord. tethered. Yeah, I am. But I'm just. I, I'm just gonna do this. All right. This is also available on YouTube, so the WWE Universe can enjoy this as well. Put that back there. That's cool. That's set designer John Cena. Good as uh, new. Nobody knows. So they they were being gracious to try to focus those uh, wristbands that you can get on WWE Shop, and of course, if you're there live, you can also get those. So we've plugged those. We don't need to light them anymore. We can just keep rolling on. (laughs) You're also wearing them, so they'll they'll yeah. I mean, here they are. Duration. Uh, What's different about this time? I am further and further away from um, the full-time nature of this product. And the I, I think the business, WWE and sports entertainment, is in a true golden age where not only has it uh, seen a, just a windfall of popularity, like a resurgence that I haven't seen since the late 90s, but also it has such a flux of talent. Every superstar is incredible. And what they can do. I want to comment. Um, if you don't see the resurgence of WWE Sports Entertainment, and John Cena, who's in the business, is telling you that there is a resurgence in WWE and Sports Entertainment, and you're still saying that there's no there's no resurgence. WWE isn't popular. You gotta be living under rock. You gotta just be a hater at that point. Um, the merchandise, the live event ticket sales, the social media attention, uh, the pay-per-view buys, all of it. WWE has talked about more than ever before. The media is talking about WWE more than ever before. And if you don't see that, that's your loss. That's your loss. Because you're missing out on something great. You're missing out on WWE being the hottest it's been since the Attitude Era. John Cena is absolutely correct on that. Let's continue. It's incredible. So uh, I've kind of had to take a a look at what I bring to the table in person and and maybe best... uh, look within and, and, and see what's the best way to use my talent, strengths, and gifts. Yeah. How's your perspective changed on the sports entertainment business, having spent the majority of your life and career here in WWE and now spending primarily most of your time in the, the Hollywood realm? Uh, does it, has it changed or, or skewed how you view this business now, having experienced the other side of the world? I, it's the opposite. Yeah? So initially getting some opportunities in Hollywood it, I, I would say, like, oh, it's completely different. Because it is. It's it's even more magnified than this setup. We don't have an audience. We have a few people behind the cameras. But it's, and the days are very long. And it's um, it's not 
instant gratification. You do a project and then 18 months later you promote a project and then 22 months after you film it, it comes out or sometimes even longer. Uh, but it's flipped, like it's the same. And I often say when I came to WWE, there was a learning curve and right around 2005, I became extremely comfortable in that learning curve listening, surrounding myself with smarter people, which I always mm. continue to try to do, and listening. And then my role changed and I had to become the one who directs and talks. I want to say something real quick. Um, John Cena has really come a long way. He really is a student of the game. And I really just love hearing these people's perspectives. Um, not only, you know, the people that are in the business like John Cena, but John Cena also doing movies and films, um, TV shows. And, and stuff like that and hearing his perspective when it comes to that thing that type of stuff behind the curtain when it does tv shows and movies and how it's different from wwe uh it, it's a really good listen boy do i talk loud but uh that was around 2009 ish and now i'm i'm kind of scattered in whenever i can make myself available i, I show back up but the business has kind of evolved past what i could give in that respect I feel like it's essentially 2005 or 6 again where in Hollywood or away from WWE I'm surrounding myself with people who are much smarter have much more veteran experience and I'm just listening and they all want to teach because we all want to make whatever we're doing the best we can you know um, I kind of want to point that out um, with stuff that I do in, in this podcast realm in this podcast game in this wrestling space, um, this kind of attaches to me and what I do. I understand that people are not going to always agree with what I say. I know people are going to agree with what I say and what I bring to the table. I have this saying, I say what I say and I mean what I say. Everything that comes out of my mouth, I mean it. You know, um, with my opinions my views and my creativity i mean everything and i just want people that are listening to me i just want you guys to understand where i'm coming from understand why i came up with that specific idea i am kind of fantasy booking as if i was in charge but i'm also coming up with ideas that i believe majority of the fan base would like and um, this type of stuff, um, kind of reviewing the interview, giving my thoughts on the interview, it's kind of me being laid back and just being chill. And I'm going to do more of these. When I get more wrestlers on these type of interviews, I'm going to, you know, review these type of interviews because um, I really love seeing people's perspectives because people have a different perspective. I have a different perspective with what I say and with what I do and with what I bring to the table as a influencer, as a content creator, as a podcaster, as a writer. I love what I do. And seeing that John Cena genuinely loves what he does, I'm telling you, it's really going to be not heartbreaking, but 
as your childhood, right? Because for me, um, I'll continue with the interview in a second. I just want to finish this up. As a fan growing up, I started watching professional wrestling. I started watching WWE around 1999, early 2000s. So I kind of missed the Attitude Era for the most part. Um, but at the same time, I started watching around 2000, late 1999, early 2000s. And um, pro wrestling has definitely evolved, definitely involved. I'm very educated. I'm very knowledgeable. I'm passionate. I'm creative. I love doing this. And so seeing that John Cena has the same passion now to this very day with how old he is and how much knowledge he has and what he's bringing to the game and trying to elevate these young stars, elevating an Austin Theory, elevating a Solo Sokoa, you know. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see who else uh, John Cena is going to go one-on-one with. Um, I would love to see him go against Logan Paul. I would love to see him go against someone like Gunther, a Grayson Waller, a Carmelo Hayes, a Braun Breaker, those type of cats. Because those are the future of this business in WWE as long as Triple H is in charge. But hearing John Cena knowledge, it's just a great, it's really great. And I love hearing these type of uh, interviews and I love hearing these type of stories. Let's carry on. Learning from these great minds. And each, each day is a new adventure and a piece of advice, but it's all just storytelling. It's the same thing we're doing here. So I used to think it was so opposite. It's the same. And I tell the WWE audience all the time that they have made me who I am. And they have. Because I've had to, to endure so much from them. And they've taught me about uh, humility, being humble, the ability to listen, knowing your consumer, um, giving the best you can every night. The list goes on and on. But they've kind of set me up for this. And uh, I, I'm so grateful that they're supporting me through this as well. They're still going to see the stuff I'm in, and they're, they're very vocal. So they're, they're creating buzz on Did social. You trepidation when you first stepped into the Hollywood world that, that there could be that sort of, uh, I don't want to say backlash, but the WWE fans sort of not following or sure, sort of sure. thinking you, you, um, for, you because it's a, it's a it's different than how you know the WWE universe would know me. They're very familiar with me like this. This is their comfort. This is what they know as me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I'm you know I'm taking chances doing stuff on screen that's not this. It's like becoming a merman. Like becoming a merman. <laughs> I watched that Saturday with my daughters, and and I, I never got a chance to tell you this when we met. Uh, you met my my kids in Pittsburgh. My daughters were extremely excited. <laughs> that they met John Cena, but not for the same reason that most of us are excited to know John Cena. They were excited because they saw you as a merman That's in right. the Barbie movie. That's right. And I said, oh, guys, I've got news for you. He's actually done a lot of really cool yeah. stuff. <laughs> but uh, that's what that's what it took. There was a little bit of, you know, trepidation of, man, is this, uh, is this going to be a new thing? But then again, um, change is always uncomfortable and uncertain. And it's something I wanted to pursue, knowing that I only have so much tread left on the physical tires over here. Uh, and I really do love playing characters and telling stories. You're talking about the WWE universe. If you go back near 10 years, they weren't a fan of John Cena, it seemed. The Some summer of Cena. Most of them. Some of them. of them, yeah. How did you process yeah, that in the there. moment, John? Hold on, guys. 
let me uh let me do something real quick something happened here we go let's get back into it apologize moment john because you, you you were john cena then right like we see john cena now how did you process that in the moment how did you overcome that how did you beat that so here we are talking about uh me using my name as an idea which i think is really cool and that's how i process that uh i realized that my intellectual property in a sense is an idea this is an idea because there is so much more to me than just this but when i'm in within these walls i immediately change into this to encompass that idea and it's not saying that um my life outside of this doesn't mimic these core values i might have a different sense of style but this helps me operate within the confines of that idea so how in the face of uh, polarization as michael cole would say um was i able to navigate the waters and still do my best to portray a virtuous character with the traits of perseverance embody the idea and and understand that it is an idea and not it's not the entirety of me and i think that gives the audience a chance to let me pause it real real quick um john cena it's unreal how he's transformed uh to trying to be a storyteller um because when john cena first came in and he was doing a doctor of thugonomics he was you know they're all of them are telling stories right they're telling stories of their character through their mannerisms and stuff like that and um as of recent when john cena became a part-timer and not doing as much um from a promo psychology because in my opinion john cena will go down as one of the greatest people to ever touch a microphone in this game in wwe history all time top 10 for sure um he's really good in that respect. um but recently man he's been just really you know being an in-ring psychologist and telling stories um picking apart a body part um like he did against solo sokoa um and saudi arabia where he was talk he he was he was talking about it uh in the promo and stuff but when the match began he was really going after the thumb of solo sokoa and you've really never seen that with john cena and so i love that he's adapting to the game of you know in today's professional wrestling yes in-ring pro wrestling is it. Um, we are all spoiled in that regard. But when it comes to in-ring psychology, when it comes to mannerisms and storytelling, it's really impressive to see a guy like John Cena really open those walls and, and really try to make the most of that. And, and I could respect John Cena for that. I really could. Because we really never seen that with him like or hate the idea and it also gives me a chance to navigate the waters a little bit uh i i, I uh, a little bit easier i guess is it refreshing to you does it sort of light the fire again not that it ever faded or went out that you have almost full support from the wwe universe here we are sold out city after sold out city after sold out city and now conversely not like 10 years ago it's almost unanimous excitement that John Cena is here. You, you've almost reached a different realm 
Uh, is that something you are cognizant of, or, or does it feel any different? So, again, um, I don't want to put myself in any special circumstance. I think that is the nature of what we do. Um, to, to be of any merit here, you have to win, and you have to win often, and you have to win for a long time. And fans get sick of that. Because if you're doing something that's working for you, you're, you may deviate a little bit left and a little bit right, but essentially you're, you're going to hit the same keys every night. Mm-hmm. We're, we're on all the time. I was a regular player on this show for 16 years. It's 52 weeks a year, no offseason, made most every date, came back from injuries early. Um, I can understand why a large portion of the audience is like, uh, I'd like a new flavor of whatever we're eating, please. You're like, I just defied all of the odds. I just did something nobody's ever done before. Or just, I, that's, I think that's the underlying thing. Uh, like, I really do love being here. It's, it's why I enjoy going to NXT. And I don't mean just being in the in that wonderful arena that they have, which is 450 of the loudest people I've ever heard. I go there on my days off to talk with talent to the superstars, like, hey, what's on your mind? No question off limits. Go for it. And my wife is kind enough. She knows that when I leave in the morning, I'm not coming back till 10 at night. I, I spend the whole day there just talking with superstars, trying to absorb. And they teach me, as hopefully, as much as I teach them. I, I love this. So I think that's enough. I want to say something now. Um, I'm happy for John that he found somebody. Um, good on him. Good on him. He found a true, you know, um, a woman that's going to beat her through thick and thin. You know, that's so So that's great. Congratulations to John Cena on that. I didn't even know that about John Cena. Nobody knew that about John Cena. Uh, when he just said that he goes to the performance center from time to time and talks to the men and women. It's unbelievable, man, really. Um, when I hear things like that, you know, my respect level for all of these men and women is obviously there. We all love and respect these men and women, but for legends in this game, for these icons, for these goats, um, to hear someone like John Cena say that he goes to the performance center um, on his days off sometimes and just talks to the men and women there. Your respect for him really should grow tenfold because um, he doesn't need to do that. And again, I love hearing stories like that. Um, I'm so into the uh, the behind the scenes stuff and hearing great stories. And hearing that is like, it's a really good feeling. And because again, John Cena doesn't need to do that, but he's taking the time out of his day his long day to go to the performance center and talk to these men and women, coach them, give them tips, let them ask him questions so he can answer. That's really cool. Because sometimes, or or if you, if you chart most everybody's trajectory, sure. We have some long-term players, flair undertaker, but usually it's, you have this, short block of time where you are on fire mm-hmm. and then you either turn bad or you take a little break and then you come back and you take a little break and then you come back and you take a little break and when you come back there is a sense of nostalgia and romanticizing and a sense of like wow i, I might have missed this the first time around so i uh, i'm gr- certainly grateful for the attendance and the support mm-hmm. but that's just kind of the nature of the beast and as long as I continue to, to give heart and soul, which I, that's the one thing I can control is how much I give every day. Uh, hopefully everybody will, will be on board, but I, 
I promise you this. If I stayed on TV, if I stayed doing every show, it would leak back to back by WrestleMania back to next being year. Polarizing because <laughs> yeah. that's just the nature of our audience. Yeah, you know, and and that's great. I never cared about the noise. My biggest fear was apathy. That that non-focused silence. There's there's even the sound of focused silence. Mm-hmm. But that non-focused silence is is when you're dead in the water. It was really one of my main points the last time we spoke right. when, I, when I was speaking about Austin theory. And nothing I said to Austin out there, I wouldn't say to his face. And we still talk on a regular basis, and I still try to bestow on him advice. And I think he's, he's working more towards connecting with the audience. Austin theory is the future. You know that. I know that. The WWE knows that. John Cena knows that. But John Cena found something in Austin Theory that he wasn't connecting with the audience on a level that you are supposed to be connecting with the audience. It's character development. Austin Theory had no character development. He did not. He didn't. And hearing everything that John Cena told him, like I say to people, you know, when I give my views and opinions and my creativity and everything like that, I just tell them, tell me when I'm telling lies. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. I'll I'll admit that I'm wrong. I'm not ashamed in that. You know, John Cena wasn't wrong here. Nothing that he was telling Austin Theory was wrong. You know, he's a student of this game. He knows how to play it. He was trying to help Austin Theory, or he's still helping Austin Theory. Austin Theory is going to be a top pillar for the WWE. Um, And he'll be just fine, but he just needs tutelage. He needs direction from a character standpoint. That's what's holding him back. He's great on the promo. He's outstanding inside the ring. He has a phenomenal look. He just needs a character because when he gets that, it's going right to the moon. I could hear the silence of apathy when he would perform. And I, I know it is because I had it plenty. Mm-hmm. I single-handedly ruined the ruthless aggression era <laughs> by completely failing, by being the ruthless aggression guy and completely failing. So I know what apathetic silence sounds like. And that was, a one, that was just my one fear. Well, you talked about the advice you've given to Theory and, and the time you're spending at NXT. What do those conversations look and sound like now versus maybe last time you were here regularly talking to a, the last generation that came up through these these halls? I applaud the NXT superstars for being brave and having courage and asking questions about stuff other than do I fall down correctly? Is my technique good? Because there's a lot more to this and there's a lot more to running right. If you run right and you're in the right state of mind, you can, you can give all you can. And we're taking talent from all over too, not just from lineage in independent wrestling, but we have a lot of people in the Next In Line program, so we're getting a lot of athletes who are used to waking up early for practice, being coachable, doing drills until you don't want to do them anymore. So that sort of, well, let's break these guys with training mentality is kind of falling by the wayside because we have very talented people that we bring in from independent places and 
the athletes are already athletes, fresh out of NC2A. Like, we might work them hard, but they're, they're working they're hard over there, it. you yeah. know? So yeah. I, I think it gives, what I see is it gives uh, the NXT performers more freedom to be more vocal. And I always, whenever I talk with them, I always lead with vulnerability. I'll give anecdote after anecdote of, hey, I know you might be going through this. This is what happened to me then. I've seen this happen with other people. This is how they reacted. This is how I reacted. There is no wrong. I'm just trying to give you a window. And like, it may not seem like I'm walking in your shoes. I'm going to throw shade because I can. I'm not trying to, but uh, what John Cena said there, I hope if you are in NIL program or if you're just currently in NXT, please listen to what John Cena is saying. And don't end up like Jack Perry, not listening to CM Punk, somebody trying to give him advice, and Jack Perry didn't listen. Don't do that. Don't disrespect John Cena like that because he's trying to help you. And I know that's not what they're doing to him. They're not doing that. They're listening to everything that he says. I just wanted to bring that up um, because I immediately thought of Jack Perry in the CM Punk situation. Carry on. Can't be you, but we both are climbing the same hill. And I right. think that opens a lot of dialogue for, oh, I can share some stuff with this person. So I think the more I share, the more they openly want to share back. But John, I've been studying you and you do it in such a likable way. You speak with people. First time I met you uh, over by the commentary desk, you said, how's it going for you? And you meant it and I could mm. tell. And that's rare. I've been in this business two and a half New years. guy, world of <laughs> coming down on you, <laughs> breathing down your neck, telling but it's you rare. what to say. I can't tell you the amount of times <laughs> I say to people, how are you? And I get a good, and they keep walking. So for someone to say, and how are you? How's, how's, the, how's the job going? And then you said, how can I help? And I've noticed you with younger superstars doing the same thing. And you mentioned nostalgia. Is it in your mind that sometimes nostalgia can be recycled for more than it's worth? And you forget about some of the parts. Hmm. Is that something that's, that's conscious with you when you're speaking with the younger superstars? Well, uh, could you talk more about that? I'm not sure I understand that what you mean. You get the older superstars sometimes. Well, back in my day, we did this, this, and oh, this. Oh, sure. And you're nearly speaking to someone as opposed to with someone. I find that you ask questions of people first and you listen before you offer advice. I, that's a fair assessment, I, uh, and I, I certainly romanticize my era, and I romanticize my style of work, and my style is very different than everyone else's. If this was 1996, my style would be everyone's style. If this was 1989, my style would be everyone's style. But I had the luxury of learning from all of these really skilled people who worked in a very improvisational manner to give the audience their money's worth. That's all we're trying to do. We're trying to pack people in this place, send them home happy so they tell a friend. And they come back again. And in doing so, they, they get a favorite personality. I like this superstar, I like this superstar. F this guy, I wanna see him get his butt kicked. It's gonna bring him back. And that's the nature of what we do. It's, it is sports entertainment. So we have to make entertaining stories. And I do want to romanticize about like, ah, you just don't get it. And every time I catch myself saying that, the follow-up is no, I don't get it. The business changes, it's evolved. We used to be a live event company, now we're That's crazy. You know, there's a lot of legends in this game. 
there's a lot of goats in this game that wouldn't have the balls to say something like what John Cena just said. There's people in this game that have one way, and that's their way. And if you don't like their way, then fuck you. I'm telling you, that's their mindset. CM Punk was gone on saying that you don't have to listen to me. That's fine. I'm giving you the opportunity to see where I'm coming from and give you some key points here. But you don't have to listen to me. John Cena is kind of saying the same thing. You don't have to listen to me, but they do listen to him. Because he's given people great, valid points. And and that's that. Company. Mm-hmm. So I can understand why we want to produce stuff extra slick. And we want to make things look incredible and as crisp as they can. I can understand a superstar's trepidation for maybe not wanting to improv in the ring. Because again, I'm the loudest talker in the business. But they shoot everything in super HD and they mic everything. And these are, these are things that didn't happen when I, when I started. But that's a hats off to our production department for knowing my style and working with me. But I can understand why the talent have evolved past that. And just because it's something that I like to do and the way I like to operate, I always preface any anecdote, any advice, any piece of information with the great thing about sports entertainment and WWE is it's chicken soup. There is no right or wrong way to do it. And everyone has their own recipe. We can all see three different great chicken soups and they can all be very different. And every performer can have their own style and it can work for everyone. You know, there have been so many Hall of Famers that operate under a different construct. I just, I get a little frustrated because I see no one in practice of what I used to do. Maybe maybe one, and that's Roman Reigns. Which is what? Just feeling the energy of the audience and using all the drills you've done and all the the fall downs that you've had to wait for the right time to do stuff. And Roman is a very improvisational guy and and works that style. And uh, he, he, man, he's, he's, he's really incredible. The last time we had a conversation here, you mentioned how you tried, you looked at it as playing jazz. The ability to play jazz, react and let the crowd sort of dictate, but you also tell them where we're going. You said that I love jazz, by the way. I just want to make this point. I pause it real quick. I love jazz music. Jazz music just really calms me down. Hopefully I'm not the only one. Hopefully you guys like jazz too, but let's continue. This generation has evolved past that, but you've been in the ring usually after we go off the air yeah. live events with a lot of today's talent. Have you had anybody that you felt the light bulb go off? Here we go. You're in the ring or have, has anybody said to you after the fact, I've never done it like this. I, I've never played jazz before, but man, that was fun. I really enjoyed that. Is that trans? Does it still translate? Because I think evolved past your style. I don't know if that's necessarily accurate. I've never had anyone be like that. Sucked. I felt lost. Damn. Everyone has fun because you can't think about what's next. You think about the now. And if you're a fan, you're not thinking about what's next. You're thinking about what's now which is what brings you to the edge of your seat, which is what makes you really loud. So it allows you to be a fan. I mean, like, everyone knows I'm a fan. And a lot... I want to make that point real quick. Um, 
I'm a fan of heart. I'm a fan at heart. I love what I do. I love being a writer. I love being an influencer. I love being a host and a podcaster and talking about what I see on television. If it's the news, um, news and gossip, or if it's what we're seeing on television, give me my expertise and my unfiltered opinions, my creativity. I love all of that. But at the core of it all, I'm a wrestling fan. And I feel like a lot of podcasters in this space, they take what they are, which are hosts and podcasters and analysts, just like myself, but they put that first before they put, oh, I'm a fan first. I'm a fan first. And then I'm a podcaster. And then I'm a writer. And then I'm an influencer. I'm a wrestling fan first. That's what people got to realize. We're all wrestling fans first before anything. Superstars would say that. But I've been a fan crushing beers at WrestleMania and enjoying it. Yeah. Like, And I went out there when doors opened and spent four hours with our fans because I'm a fan and I enjoy those moments and I think if you shut out our biggest superstar the audience it's just my philosophy again the no right no wrong if you shut out that superstar you do a giant disservice to the to everybody watching to the to the people putting their lives on the line to the people watching at home an anecdote anecdote that I have an iconic moment in WWE history is Hollywood Hulk Hogan and The Rock looking at each other and looking at the audience. How many times do we replay that back? A lot. I miss those days, man. You know, that's why I love and respect Roman. He's a student of the game. He takes those nuances. And and for me personally, this tribe, and I'm talking about characters. This is all I'm going to say. And I'm talking about characters. My favorite character of all time is The Undertaker, Okay. He will always be number one. He's always number one in my heart. But the tribal chief and the head of the table character will, in my opinion, go down as one of the top five greatest characters in WWE history. You heard it here first. In my opinion, the tribal chief character, the head of the table character, is going to go down as one of the greatest of all time. One of the greatest. I didn't say the greatest. I said one of the greatest of all time. It's really fun. I really appreciate and I cherish that character. And um, it's just been really a joy to, to see that character perform each and every week, each and every month. Let's continue. Akich. These are two guys looking at each other and then looking away, and then looking at each other. But if you look past it, if you look in the background, it's insanity. It's Pandemonium. excitement. It's I miss the those days. It's the craziest thing. And a lot of times that anticipation for, I know these guys are going to do something. Do something already. Like that, You, when you play jazz, you can lean into that anticipation. You can lead that excitement. And the audience... Does John Cena love jazz? 
Okay, John. I love jazz music too. It's it's my it's my heart. It's my soul. I feel free. I feel warmth when I listen to jazz music. It's a very warm feeling. If you guys are listening to me on whatever platform you're on and you're a fan of jazz, salute to you. That opportunity when you just have everything memorized and choreographed, you don't give yourself any chance for like an impromptu solo in, mm-hmm. in, the, in the jazz reference or to just lay out and just let notes lean and just let it just hang in there. Like Pat Patterson was one of the greatest at it. Michael Hayes is extremely great at it. Marty Lundy was awesome in helping me curate that style. But like all of those great minds came at it from a different angle. But it was also the same philosophy of like, don't do anything until it's time. How would I know? I don't know. You'll just know and you'll hear it. <laughs> and I was lucky enough to be put in the ring with great performers like Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Eddie Guerrero, The Undertaker, the list goes on and on, who worked in that manner. And hats off to somebody like Triple H and Shawn Michaels, both who were instrumental in curating our talent today, both who have that tool in their tool belt, but also know that we have to train the talent in a way to keep up with the demands of what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love being out there, and I, I, every day I become more and more of a dinosaur because I think the business is evolving into, into different spaces. But as long as there's ticket buyers out there and people having a good time, I'll, I'll play jazz. All right, guys. Um, I want to end it there. This was a great interview. Um, let me know what you guys think of this interview. Um, if you guys missed the interview of After the Bell with Corey Graves with Special Judge John Cena, it's also posted on YouTube as well. Um, I just wanted to give you guys something for Sunday. Um, like I said, moving forward, I want to do more of these um, interview uh, reactions um, and just give you guys my expertise and opinions on these type of interviews. Um, be sure to follow me on social media, guys. If you guys missed my WWE Crown Jewel uh, review and results and analysis from uh, Saturday, please tap in on wherever you get your podcast. Um, please follow me on social media, Twitter at JT Takeover, on Instagram at The Wrestling Takeover, and on TikTok at The Wrestling Takeover. Make sure you leave a five star rating on Apple Podcasts. And most importantly, Spotify as well. I appreciate the support, guys. Thank you guys so much. Uh, New week, new episodes coming soon. New article coming soon this week. So stay tapped to the Wrestling Takeover. Spread the word of the Wrestling Takeover. And if you're new to the podcast, I'm Jordan Turner. This is my show, The Wrestling Takeover. I will bring you nothing but honesty, unfiltered opinions, in-depth opinions, unbiased opinions, Seeing, um, you know, things differently from a different perspective with a different set of lens. And this is a fan that is just very knowledgeable and very passionate and very creative. So if you want all that molded into one and you love a fan that just gives you guys just a different perspective, uh, the wrestling takeover. This is definitely the one stop destination pod for all things professional wrestling, not just WWE, not just AW, but also Impact Wrestling, TNA, and other wrestling promotions as well. Thank you guys very much for tapping into the Wrestling Takeover. I'll see you next time for a brand new episode of the Wrestling Takeover.